When I was nine years old, I saw a demon. This is how it happened. I used to share a room with my older sister, and being the younger of the two of us, I got what I wanted, which meant on the bunk bed, I got the top bunk. Well, one night I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was on my side facing the wall, and I had, had two feelings. One feeling was a feeling of kind of primal fear, and the other feeling was a feeling that there was something in the room behind me. Well, I didn't really want to roll over, but at the same time, how do you not check when you have that feeling? So I rolled over, and there was this solid black shape in the middle of the room, like a solid shadow standing there. And because I was on the top bunk, I was pretty much at head level with it, and it was turning its face to face me. Well, I was nine years old, I was terrified, so I did the only thing I could think of doing, which was to grab the blankets and pull them up over my head. And then I just started praying. And honestly, all these years later, I don't remember the exact words I said, but I remember it was something very basic, something along the lines of, Jesus, please protect me. And it was the same thing over and over and over again. I just kept saying that same thing. Well, after a little bit, the fear kind of went away, but I still kept going because I was scared to look. And then finally, maybe after about half an hour, I pulled down those covers and I peeked out and the room was empty. Here in the West, in the Episcopal Church as well, we rarely like to talk about things like demons. When I was telling you about that experience, I'm willing to bet a lot of you felt kind of uncomfortable hearing that story. Some of you may have had similar experiences, but for a lot of you, I bet, I bet you kind of were thinking as I was telling it, you know, I wonder if little nine-year-old Caroline was having a bad dream and because she was nine, she just kind of mixed it up with reality. Or I wonder if she was hallucinating, like isn't that a thing, you can wake up from sleep and hallucinate. And you know, I don't blame you if you were thinking that because our rationalistic worldview here in the West forms us to think that way. But whether you know it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, there is a war raging all around us every moment, every day. The final decisive victory has already been won with Jesus' death and his resurrection. But our enemy is not the sort who's just going to give up and surrender even if he knows he's lost. The battle rages on. It's a battle over eternity and a battle over individual moments, momentary choices for sin or righteousness, eternal choices for life or death. The combatants on the side of eternal life and righteousness are angels, saints like St. George, followers of Jesus, and of course, God himself. On the other side are demons, fallen angels, uh, our own sinful desires that rise up within us, and Satan. If you and I were to face this battle armed with only our own strength, we would crumple in the face of that enemy. We would lose pitifully and resoundingly because our enemy is so much stronger than us in our own human strength. 
And if you're out there thinking to yourself, hey now, hang on a second, I don't think I'm that weak, then you probably haven't had an experience like the one I described to you. And I can't force that sort of understanding on you, so let's look at it this way instead. What is tempting to you? What is the Achilles heel of your spiritual life? That temptation that you just can't seem to resist. For example, I like to think of myself as a fairly self-controlled person. Until you offer me an oatmeal cream pie, or some chocolate, or some ice cream. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy or high-quality sugar. Hand me a Coca-Cola, and there goes all that self-control. Sugar is my weak point. And I, you know, honestly, it's embarrassing to admit it, and I'd feel worse, except I know I'm not the only one, but don't worry, I'm not going to name any names, David Barr. <laughs> now, whether or not you share this particular struggle with a sweet tooth, I know there's something like that for you where it is so hard to resist that temptation. It's so hard, even when it seems like it should be easy. And when you think about that, you have to recognize just how easily tempted you are, just how weak you really are. Our enemy is wilier, smarter, and stronger than we are. And if we can be pulled off track by something as small as a little Debbie cake, then you and I would have no hope on our own. So how can we fight this battle? How, in such weakness, do we stand up against this enemy? At this point, I want to draw your attention to that passage from Revelation, because in it, we see God's believers triumphing over Satan and his allies. In this passage, we see the battle taking place. It's like the veil has been lifted, and we see something that has been going on but normally is hidden from us. And Satan and his allies are defeated in this battle, and they are thrown down. Then a voice from heaven makes this proclamation about what this event is, what it means. And among the other things that this voice says, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The victory of God's people comes through two things. It comes first through the blood of Jesus, and second, from their faith lived out. Now, the blood of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, those phrases come up in church all the time. We hear them in hymns often. We hear them in scripture readings. We hear them in sermons and in services and so on, and at a certain point, we stop really processing exactly what that means. So I want to take a moment here and just dig into a little bit of the biblical background there to enrich that for us. You see, in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Exodus, when God brought the terrible tenth plague on the people of Egypt so that they would let his people go, God instructed the Israelites to kill a lamb and smear some of its blood over the lintel of their doorways. Each household was to take one lamb and to do this. And when they did this, the final plague, the death of the firstborn, would pass by their house. 
They were, in effect, shielded from death by the blood of the lamb, a lamb, any lamb, in that first Passover. And then every Passover after that, God commanded them to kill and eat a lamb and to go through this whole ritual of remembrance of that Passover. Just like the death of those first Passover lambs saved each family that, in a sense, took shelter under its blood, Jesus, our true Passover lamb, died to save us all from death. And thus it is the blood of the lamb by which the saints fight. And it is faith in that blood and in that lamb by which we live. The greatest and only weapon we have against the spiritual foes of sin and evil and the devil is the blood of Jesus. We cannot fight in our own strength, but only by faith, fully relying on Jesus in whom the final victory has already been won. The only power, the only victory is in him. Now, All of this may sound very abstract and kind of distantly spiritual, so I'd like to ground it in a true story. My husband once knew a woman, they went to the same church, and she struggled in her faith. She went to church regularly, she even served in church, she was very involved, but sometimes other religions and other ways of life just seemed so appealing to her. So even though she kept going to church, she continued to wrestle with her faith. And it just so happened that this woman was very involved in a number of ministries, both connected to the church and outside of it. And one of the things she did was she was a volunteer with this ministry that went into um, detention centers and prisons and those sorts of places and worked with the people who were incarcerated there. And sometimes this this ministry took her into some very dark places spiritually, some very dark places. And one time she and my husband were talking about this and she told him that despite all her struggles, despite the appeal that other faiths held to her, she kept coming back to the church because when she went into those dark places, the only thing that had any power was the name of Jesus. I don't know what all she faced in those places, but the only weapon that did her any good in those spiritual fights was the name of Jesus. After this sermon, we are going straight into the rite of baptism, and we have a group of young children who are going to be baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. They will become part of his body, the church, with us. They will be covered by the blood of the Lamb. As a part of that, their parents and godparents will renounce Satan and all the spiritual powers of evil. We will all, after them, reaffirm our own baptismal vows and we'll pray for these children as they enter into this new life in the church. I invite you, as we pray for them, to pray specifically for the battles that lie ahead of them. Pray that they will know the mighty name of Jesus for themselves that they will know Jesus not only as the gentle shepherd of their souls, who he most certainly is, but also as the victorious king of the book of Revelation, by whose blood and in whose name they can conquer sin, evil, and the devil. Pray for yourselves as well, 
Pray for the battles you are facing now, maybe ones you haven't even told anyone about. And pray for the ones that you will face, ones that you cannot even guess at this point. Pray in the name of Jesus and rest assured in the knowledge that the only weapon and the only shield is that name and is that blood. You know, for years after I saw that demon, I was afraid of the dark. And more than afraid of the dark, I was afraid of what might be in it. I was afraid of demons. Then one day it struck me. That demon had been terrifying, but it never hurt me. I didn't do anything brave or valiant. I wasn't some exceptional nine-year-old who was so clever or so strong to protect myself or chase it away. All I did was cry out to Jesus, and it was gone. Amen.